0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog.
1: What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. As usual, I'm joined by Mr. Greg Manakis, who's back off his vacation as well. You know him and Will are International Men of Mystery. They like to travel. Greg's been into Boston. He come back, he went over to... Um, LA with Will so they were down by the lake and stuff and uh, I think he I'm not sure if he's happy to be back on the the screen he looks happy to be back what's going on man
0: I am I'm very happy I had the perfect amount of cold brew iced coffee homemade so I got like the right amount of buzz going and also it's it's our guy Will's birthday today so shout out happy birthday to Will Um, that's my boy it's my best friend we've been friends since we were two years old Um, so happy birthday bro Um, can't wait to celebrate we're actually going out to dinner tonight so Will I, I've been jealous of y'all because I've been really looking forward to the pods with you guys, the three-man pods we were doing over the summertime, which we have been able to do. So I've been checking in on the two pods that you were able to do with them. I've just I just been missing out, man. I got FOMO. <laughs> <You> got FOMO.
1: But <laughs> well, I'm happy you're back, man. It's been a while. And like I said, I like the rotation we've got. So when we don't get to do one one week, I do notice the kind of the not being able to get your insight and we can have a laugh. But before we jump in any further, I know you've got a few bars you want to spit for Will's birthday, and oh, I man. was going to save it to the middle of the podcast, but uh, you just look far too comfortable for my looking, <laughs> man. So I thought I'd throw you in the
0: defense. All right, let's do it. All right, ready. You know I gotta wish my man Will a birthday. So full of joy he forget about his worst days. I'm talking back when we were kids, always Thursday. Can't get specific or he would probably hurt me. We used to talk back in the trap about a podcast. We had Keenan Kale vibes, we were all that. Now we handling the rock, can't pass the ball back. Happy birthday bro, hope we never fall back. Uh. But sometimes it happens. I hope that it doesn't. We building that fire. The pot is the oven. Transitions. The tough years are dirty. Like dozens, best hosting the game and the discussion. Get money like Terry, like Hornets. We buzzing, dancing competitors, boogie like cousins. I'll say it again. At the first you were bugging, best in the game. We can end the discussion. Happy birthday, bro.
1: See, now that was a, that was a proper birthday song. That blows out. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Uh, I like it man. I like it. I think I'm going to have to push back on that best host in the game, but uh, the rest of it <laughs> the rest of it like that uh, no disrespect Will, the rest of it's on fire. I like the way we start off this podcast strong today.
0: Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, you guys are definitely, you know, 1A, 1B. You're both right up there best hosts nah, in the Will, game. Will sure. um, Will's got
1: Will's got a good charisma to him that I lack. So uh, I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even going to dispute it, man.
0: I'm not you know, I've got
1: enough self-awareness to know uh, I can't dispute, man. I'm just pushing back. Just
0: Yeah, but you thanks. got the accent, man. You got the accent. That's like your, those are your peacock feathers. That makes you stand out. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's not what I want to stand out for, but it's there and it works.
1: So, you know, <laughs> we, we just take it as we can you take what you can get at this point. So I wanted to jump into it. I know that I want to feed off what mine and Will's discussion ended with on the last podcast, which was 2K ratings. Okay. And obviously we've got more things that we can discuss that are actually basketball related. But from me, I saw today, scrolling through the Twitter feed, as you do in the Twitterverse, and just ignoring all the negativity that you can find, and I saw that DeMar DeRozan had been given a 90 overall rating in in 2K22. And as I said, I was ignoring negativity, but now I'm about to be a little bit negative, because to me, that is an insult to Jason Tatum. I feel like Tatum's elevated his game far enough, and DeRozan's regressed as he's aged far enough, that these two guys
0: shouldn't be on the same level, right? I mean, is that just me? Am I wrong? I mean, DeRozan definitely had one of his best years this past year. Um, He showed a lot in terms of his ability to be a pick-and-roll creator. Uh, One thing, so I was actually talking with Seth Partnow of The Athletic um, yesterday, and we were actually talking about DeRozan and we were talking about Tatum and their their ability to make reads versus manipulate defenses, right? So DeRozan, I think, really took a step – and able to not only make reads and pick and rolls, but he was really starting to manipulate defenses and pick and rolls and just get whatever he wanted and create for other people. And I think that is what Tatum is currently lacking to make him like a true, true superstar. He's making the right reads right now, right? He can see that uh, skip pass over the corner off a of pick and roll, but he's not yet manipulating. And I think DeRozan, because he's so seasoned as a, as a ball handler now, I could see why you would put him on the same levels as Tatum just because he he it can be very very efficient with his ability to create for other people but having said that it's ridiculous Jason Tatum is far better than DeMar DeRozan and either Tatum needs to be higher DeRozan needs to be lower but they are not the same level.
1: So I'll give you that where you're talking about DeRozan's ability to kind of understand when double teams are coming and make decisions that little bit quicker because he's had the ball in his hands for longer in the league. The game's a bit slower to him. I was reading something on biomechanics um, and like mental speed yesterday for something I'm working on for a, a different outlet. And the way it got broke down in this piece I was reading was um, mental speed is your ability to perceive process and act accordingly on to a very specific piece of information. So in basketball sense, that would be a double team coming at you. You perceive the double team, you process what angle it's coming from and who's available and what passes are now available, and then you act to make the right read accordingly. And that is something that you develop through repetition, through chunking, which is where you take a, a large piece of the puzzle and look at each piece of the puzzle individually and repeat that until you understand it before moving on, similar to saying, um, I don't know, a pick and roll if you chunk that would be a screen is set the player comes over the screen or reject. Yeah, we won't talk about rejecting the player comes over the screen. Then the screener rolls. Well, now you've broke down a pick and roll and you've chunked it into three parts. And that's how you build that mental speed. So I'll give DeRozan that. I'll accept that DeRozan is more, more, has more mental speed at this juncture, but he doesn't have the three-level scoring ability that Tatum does. I, I mean, DeRozan is pretty much a predominantly... Long mid-range pull-up two type of guy. He can get some work done down at the rim. His three-point shot is far more inconsistent than Tatum's. And I think Tatum edges him out on defense as well, both off-ball and on-ball. Mm-hmm. So sure. I, I was like, Yo, DeRozan should be at an 87 if ta- or an 88. If Tatum's at 90, DeRozan should be at 88. Plus one's on the come up and one's literally gone over the peak of that mountain. He's already on his way down in terms of physical attributes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was a little bit like, I just find it a little bit harsh to take them.
0: Though. For sure. And I'm not a 2K guy, but I, I was really enjoying your guys' discussion. You actually made me feel like I understood and cared about what you were talking about last pod, which is pretty interesting because I, I barely played 2K in my entire life. But one thing that y'all talked about was the idea of capping people at a number. And I feel like DeRozan right now at a 90, that's his cap. He's not going to go any higher than he is. If anything this year, that number is going to drop. But Tatum, I could see his number capping at like 93, 94. So I know it's starting at 90 right now, but I think we can all agree by the end of the season, unless DeMar DeRozan proves to be just finding a whole nother level of his game, um, Tatum is going to be at a higher number than DeRozan will be by the year's end. And so he should be. I mean, I'm not
1: saying DeRozan is a bad player by any means because I still think he's one of the better go-to scorers in the league. You know, he's still DeMar DeRozan. He basically Mm -hmm. single-handedly hold the San Antonio Spurs to multiple wins this year, and I know you're out in Texas right now, so yep. you
0: probably hear more about DeRozan than what I do. Um, Spurs fans good. loved him. Spurs fans loved him. And, um, I mean, he was a guy that I actually thought the Celtics might want to go take a look at, because um, he, he offers a lot of what the Celtics need in offense and kind of just, like, fills in the gaps between Tatum and Brown's skill sets. But, alas, he went to the Bulls. I'm actually high on the Bulls this year. I think the Bulls are going to be pretty good.
1: See, so I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit wait and see on the balls. I feel like um, and I felt like this last year with the Hawks. So you know, take what I'm about to say with the small pinch of salt that it needs to be taken with. But I'm just, I'm curious to see where everybody's touches come from. When you've got a guy like Vucevic that can play make out of the um, out of the five above the perimeter, you know, and then you're gonna have Lonzo Ball that is, like, almost primarily a perimeter creator. He doesn't like mm-hmm. to enter the paint. Doesn't like to drive. And then you've got DeMar Rosen that's going to pressure the mid-range, slightly pressure the rim. I'm just wondering where your penetration and where, how you're going to force defenses into unnecessary and unwarranted rotations to open up scoring opportunities. It's going to be solely on Zach Levine. I mean, mm-hmm. I wrote like a 2,000-word piece on uh, the balls the other week for an outlet. And that was pretty much what I said. Like a lot of the um, perimeter creation is going to be coming from Lonzo and Vutrovic. But yep. if you want work getting done, if you want rotations being forced, you're going to be a lot of this um, off-ball creation is going to fall on Zach Levine's shoulders. And when he's your primary scorer, I don't know how much you really want to rely on him being your off-ball creator at the same time.
0: Well, Zach Levine's such a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. I know he had like um, kind of an outlier year in terms of his catch-and-shoot numbers this year. But I, I think that DeRoz- the ball's going to be in DeRozan's hands a lot And if he has enough, um, gravity to suck the defense in, kicking it out to Levine and being able to, uh, you know, catch and shoot or attack off the catch. Um, I, am actually really high on how those two are going to play off each other. And then, man, you forgot about, um, the great white hope, Alex Caruso coming off the bench. You know, he, he can, he can kind of penetrate into those lanes. You got Kobe White as well. Um, so I, I think that the Bulls, the Bulls got some pieces where they're going to be interesting. And then Patrick Williams is going to be a wild card. If Patrick Williams can take another step um he, i mean his defensive ceiling is so high they i think he has in today's game you need somebody that's six eight six nine that can lock down the best players on the other team and i think patrick williams definitely has that and zach Levine for the olympics man when you take a little bit of the offensive load off of him put that on to de rosen he's he's a heck of a defender he did a really good job in the in um in the olympics picking up 94 feet so um, we'll see. We'll see. Like you said, wait and see. But I'm higher in the Bulls. If I had, I put money on Zach Levine um, last year, so Will and I and Raul Takahashi, who's a uh, hot hot hoops uh, for the Heat, we were talking about Zach Levine versus Tyler Hero, and I was like, Yo, Zach Levine is just a whole other level of player than Tyler Hero is. And they were all Tyler Hero coming off the bubble. He's going to be like the next big thing. And I was like, Just wait. Zach Levine is the truth. So I'm I'm higher on Zach Levine than I think a lot of people are. Um, but I think he's only added to my beliefs in him, and I think that the Bulls, I think they're going to be definitely in the play-in, possibly in the first uh first six.
1: So here's where it's interesting to me talking about Zach Levine because I'm quite high on Levine as well. um I was on Twitter the other day, and Ryan Bernadoni had tweeted out saying, um, "What's funny is, and people aren't really ready to hear this, but." Zach Levine is actually makes more sense for this Celtics team than what Bradley Beal does. And the way um Bernardoni kind of phrased this was if Zach Levine had been born in Jason Tatum's hometown instead of Bradley mm. Beal, then that would actually have been better for what the Celtics need. And the timeline of the Celtics, the youth and the development um, trajectory of these guys than what Bradley Beal is. So, and we're going to talk about these extensions in a moment, but obviously Marcus Smart signed an extension. Robert Williams has signed an extension. The route to Matt's cap space in the free agency period is all but gone. Like, yep. you know, it's it's a sign and trade or nothing at this point. I think we can all agree that that's pretty much the way it would have to go. If you had a choice between Bradley Beal and Zach Levine, and we're not talking about talent level, we're just talking about fit who fits the team better now who's more talented who actually slits slots into the the scheme better who would you go for
0: um i would probably still go bradley beal um i would need to see probably one more year out of zach Levine producing at the level that he just produced at to firmly say that he's the better player i think in term, you know in terms of fit I was actually clamoring when we when we we're doing all the TPE discussions last year. I was like, "Get Zach Levine to Boston." I don't know what it's going to take to get Zach Levine, but I was I mean, I'm telling you, man, I'm a huge Zach Levine guy. Um, but Bradley Beal just has this polish that Zach Levine doesn't have right now. Um, his ability to—I mean, when Bradley Beal gets the ball, he's making a decision. It's straight to the rack, or he's like one dribble pull up, and he, he's really good at, at drawing contact as well not as good of a three-point shooter as Zach Levine is, not as comfortable shooting from three. I think Zach Levine will pull from 30 feet, where Bradley Beal is probably like three-point line range. He doesn't really have that like 30-foot range. Um, and I think the Celtics do need a few more floor spacers. So in 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 that scenario, I would say Zach Levine, I would take Zach Levine over Bradley Beal. Shooting-wise, Zach Levine's a better defender. I know Bradley Beal's had to do everything on offense, but his defensive metrics are terrible. He's near the end of the... Um, bottom of the league in most defensive metrics. So, long story short, I've talked myself into Zach Levine.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm on the Zach Levine train over Bradley Beal train too. I think he'd be a bit more attainable in terms of finances. I don't think you'd need to sell the farm as much to go and get Zach Levine as what you would Bradley Beale. Obviously, the Bulls are very much in a wing now type of mode anyway. Uh, but most teams in the league, are, I remember reading a piece in The Athletic this week by John Hollinger, and he was like, there's legitimately 80% of the league are making win-now moves. And realistically, only three of them are in win-now mode. So mm. something's got to give somewhere because a lot of these teams are going to have no assets and no cap space for a very long time soon. Yeah. So, you know, if Boston can kind of wait the year out, see if Boston Chicago does implode a little bit, or it doesn't work out the way they hope it does, and Zach Levine is disillusioned. I think it's a lot easier to come to a sign and trade agreement for Zach Levine than what it would be for Bradley Beal, because obviously Bradley Beal is a crown jewel. Zach Levine is becoming that way, but he's not quite there yet. And obviously you have the injury history of Levine, which you can kind of negotiate a little bit more in trade talks. But what about this question? If it wasn't Zach Levine or Bradley Beal, who else would you be interested, who's rumored to be available or would look like he could be
0: available? Who else would you be interested to pursue with the Simon trade? Can you give me a few names? I don't have any names. Uh, the one
1: head. I've got in my head is like Colin Sexton. You could go mm. for, um, do you know what? It's pretty, the only name I've got in my head is Colin Sexton. There's going to be others available. Like Maybe you can go after a Rui from instead of, you know what I
0: mean? Somebody that's yeah. young
1: that still has high upside that could grow with the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, Sexton is a guy that I think a lot of people are down on, and I don't really know why. Um, I've heard attitude, and he's not like a great teammate. But everything I've seen from him looks looks like he, he's, he's just like a leader and, and kind of an alpha and doesn't take any nonsense from his teammates. Um, is he a true point guard? Probably not. But he, ha- he has moments where, I mean, he, dude, that game in college, you ever seen the clip of him playing three on five in college? No, I haven't, no. Dude, it was crazy. Probably like – so I think it was his last year before he came into the league. I forget if he came out after his freshman or sophomore year. But his team literally fouled out until they only had three people left on the court. And it was three versus five, and he almost won the game. <laughs> like he's he's insane, bro, the, the way that he competes. Um, I think if you put him onto a team – like the Celtics with a defensive-minded coach like Udoka, he could be a real problem because I think he's a better defender than maybe he's shown because he's so tenacious. And he can get his own shot. He had that one game where he single-handedly beat the Nets. He beat Kyrie, Katie, and and I think James Harden was on the team by then. And he just outshot them. So he can get hot. He's still 22 years old or whatever he is. So I would definitely be interested if he's on the market again, Colin Sexton. Do I think that he's a better fit than a Zach Levine? No. But – if if we didn't have to give up the farm, as you said, to get somebody like that, versus giving up the farm to get Bradley Beal, I I, I think you know hitting that. Um, you know, ground rule double of getting Colin Sexton versus trying to swing for the fences and get Bradley field might be the better, might be the better call. I don't know if you get the baseball analogy that I just made. I know you No,
1: right. no, that baseball analogy <laughs> went straight. Like my Obi-Troyce <laughs> analogy last week, it went straight. That was over. a good one, though. Hopefully, I she got some teeth. Yeah. <laughs> the another one I've got is, and I read this on Bleach Report and. I'm a Khalid Sexton guy. I think that under the right scheme he could develop. And my argument is trying to buy low on a guy that could become a star rather than buying high on a star now. Uh, another guy that I read on Bleacher Report as a possible sign and trade that the way the the author on Bleacher Report kind of put it was, this would be the ideal guard for the Celtic situation moving forward would be Cole Anthony. So when you look at like the, who the Magic have got and the guard rotation and who they've drafted recently and you've got faults and they were like, hey, Cole Anthony should be available. And Cole Anthony is a firecracker and he can defend, he's tenacious, he can ball handle, he can distribute, and he's not going to cost you to farm. So my, my mind is, if it's not Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, then Colin Sexton and Cole Anthony are guys that I'd be willing to buy low on with the hopes of developing them into a star, or at least a Terry Rozier-level type of player without mm-hmm. the Terry Rozier type of money, which was
0: absolutely ridiculously large. Crazy, crazy. I haven't seen enough of Cole Anthony, to be honest with you. Um, First thought is that he's got like a little too much Carson Edwards in his game for my liking. Uh, (laughs) So like, I don't know that I would trade for Cole Anthony if if I had to like give up a piece. But if it was just like two kind of fringe assets for Cole Anthony, I would think about it. But I'm not going to trade anything real for him. I would definitely give up something real for Colin Sexton, though.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, for me, it'd be tiered Beal, which would obviously be the farm, then mm-hmm. Levine, then Sexton, then Cole Anthony. And I think it would go in that, in that order, which is shocking because the Celtics also need a stretch four, really. They need a, a, a quality starting stretch What about four. marketing? See, I don't, I don't rate him at all. I think he came into the league, had a, had a great rookie season, and then never pushed on. And he's Mm. lived off that rookie season for a while. And I think now a lot of people have realized like, hey, this is just a very limited big man. He's a one skill big man. He's a stand, catch and shoot big. And there's just more to his game than that, that he just hasn't been able to develop.
0: Another guy that was, um, you know, rumored to the Celtics last year. A couple more guys. There's still the Harrison Barnes idea. There's still the Jeremy Grant idea. I would probably go for those two before I, like, go from all the way from Colin Sexton to Cole Anthony, um, where, like, I would want to bring a little bit more size onto the team. Because Cole Anthony, what, he's like
1: 6'2"? Yeah, he's not great. He's not super huge. See, I like the Jeremy Grant idea. I'm just so – I really believe that he's in Detroit for the length of that contract that Mm. I just – Because he moved there to play under um, a black-led team, black ownership, and I just think that he's very much where he wants to be in a situation that he believes he can help develop. I just don't think he's available at all. Um, And that's why I tend not to mention Zach Levine's name. Sorry, not Zach Levine, Jeremy Grant's name in any discussion. Just because I personally don't think he's available. If he was, I'd be absolutely ecstatic.
0: Yeah, I'm like racking my brain right now for other guys that might be in situations where they just need a change of scenery. Um, Siakam came to mind. I don't know how available he would be. Um, but Aaron I, I Gordon just...
1: would be available at the end of the year. He's on that one-year deal with um, with Denver. He didn't really have a great end to the season after that trade with Denver. And mm-hmm. he, if he struggles again this year, the, the Nuggets might want to try and recoup some assets and maybe they try and flip him in a sign and trade. And I think he could fit really well
0: for sure and if it's not sign and trade we'd have to go back into the tpe vault but we got a 17 million dollar tpe from fournier so it fits into that by the way but does then he- you'd
1: yeah but then you'd be going down the fournier route again you'd be using a tpe on a guy that would be a six-month rental and
0: mm-hmm. then hoping to convince him to stay the next year, and then just get another tpe
1: well you hope right <laughs> <laughs> oh man these tpe's are never-ending dude i'm telling you <laughs> so the other things i wanted to hear on today let's just kind of get them done this is poor segueing we had a great segue earlier this is a bad segue is um the extensions man so you got marcus smart's extension you've got um robert williams extension how do you feel about both of them what sticks out to you what's the good what's the
0: bad what's the ugly okay um hmm where to start let's start with both both extensions first right So for all Celtics fans that have kind of like complained about that talent bleed over the last few years, I think this is sort of like the band-aid in the right direction, right? The two most talented role players on the Celtics are officially locked in on tradable, arguably team-friendly deals. And when you factor in the Celtics hired Udoka to man the helm, I think Smart and Lob are two of the most versatile ceiling-raising pieces a coach could desire on the defensive end. Now, as you mentioned earlier on the flip side, the the deals do kill the dream of a clean cap sheet. So I think that's probably the biggest negative in my mind. Um, But hey, man, the best laid plans of Kyrie and Anthony Davis can still go awry. (laughs) So maybe Brad learned from Danny's mistakes of the past and would rather have like his bird in the hand, if you will. Um, So I think the Celtics fans who have been complaining about the team and its inability to retain that talent, as we said, that talent bleed, have to give Brad a few years to sort of build his vision of the team because, in my opinion, it's it's clearly different than what Danny had in mind, right? Danny was more upper echelon talent over chemistry all the way back to the Kendrick Perkins-Jeff Green trade, right? So while Brad has already been on record underscoring the importance of having the team um, that you know plays the right way with the right blue-collar approach that works well for the city, Danny was very much the opposite of that. And if you still want to dream on a trade for an even more like surefire superstar, since we can't get a Bradley Beal um, outright anymore, Smart and Lob are two contracts that I think gets you closer to a superstar number. Um, And I think both players will have the ability to increase that trade value throughout this year because they're playing the biggest roles of their lives, right? And um, as I mentioned earlier, I was talking with Seth Partnow of The Athletic yesterday, and he actually worked in the Bucks front office. So he was like the head of research for basketball development or whatever for, for the Bucks. And I asked him about Smart. And I said, hey, man, does, does Smart actually have value? Like you've been in front offices. You've talked to, to other teams and other people in front offices. How do teams view Marcus Smart? And he said that as a player, everybody loves Marcus Smart. The biggest thing for the discussions behind the scenes are character. Um, and, and to me, I think that as Smart's gotten older, the character issues have become less of an issue. And at 19 million, it, I think teams are going to want Marcus Smart. So I, I don't really think that's too big of a deal to sign him at that number. We can get into Lobb a little bit more, but um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, so my first thought was any mid-season trade for a star is pretty much out the window. Because Marcus Smart and Rob Williams extension don't kick until next year, which gives you that poison pill kind of um, issue where the team taking Smart and Rob would need the cap space to take them in on their extension level value, whereas the Celtics would only be able to take back the value of their current contracts. So there's a bit of a discrepancy between what the Celtics can take back versus to what the outgoing team have to absorb in terms of money so i think that all but kills a mid-season trade involving mm-hmm. either of those two guys uh, i think that's really important to kind of know because if bradley bill becomes available for trade mid-season it cannot involve smart or rob williams unless there's some cap finagling that that opens up enough space for the wizards to be able to absorb that maybe it makes it easier because of how much uh money brad bills on maybe it makes it more difficult Whatever. Uh, for Marcus Smart, I think that's a fine number. I think that's a number for your fifth or sixth man, a hot, an elite-level role player. Generally, the 18 to 20 million range is somewhere where you feel comfortable playing an elite role player, especially one who impacts winning the way Marcus does. Um, for Rob Williams, I think my biggest takeaway is your gambling on health. Because if Rob Williams stays healthy and figures out a way to be on the court for 80% of the games throughout the season and playoffs... Well he's going to far outplay that contract in terms of impact versus value and I was speaking about Romeo the other day, and I said this oh, when Romeo's healthy and on the floor he doesn't you don't really feel an impact when Robert Williams is healthy and on the floor, he changes the way the game flows, he changes mm-hmm. the way the game the way teams have to set off against you and, and look to defend you and that's the difference between elite level impact sorry high level impact not elite high level impact and a guy still trying to find out where he fits within the league, and I think at thirteen point five over the next four years, uh, if he can stay healthy, this is going to be a steal. He'll he'll be worth way more. If he cannot stay healthy, well, there's always going to be a team that you know. It's like that ex, It's like that girl that girl trying to date the bad boy. I can change him. I can <laughs> make him a good guy. You know, and like there's always going to be a team out there looking to try and fix Rob Williams and change him. Um, and get him healthy. So it's definitely a very easily traded contract.
0: Were you the bad boy? Did somebody change you?
1: I I, I, I was changed. Uh, I was changed. <laughs> I, was changed.
0: <laughs> uh, I love it. I love
1: it. I, but being a parent changes you anyway. I don't think it's uh, like that. That's what
0: calmed me down. But, I uh, feel you. I, yeah. I haven't had that blessing in my life yet, but maybe... I, I feel like I'm a changed man now. I've um, been in a, a very steady relationship for like two years, live with my girlfriend, so everything's good. I feel like I'm feel like i changed. Um, but Bro, but I'm, on, I'm
1: coming up to my 14th anniversary, man.
0: Get out of here, dude. 14 years? Yeah, yeah. 14 years in February. That's, I can't even imagine, dude. This is the longest relationship I've ever been in. Before this, I think my longest relationship was like eight months or something. Whoa. It's that rapper life, bro.
1: Yeah, it's that rapper life You're too <laughs> much uh Dom Peryan, that's what it is.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, but get getting into a uh, law, man, and I'll circle back to Marcus. Um, but so I call I call Law Bobby Bitcoin because he's an extremely volatile asset. But there is a chance that he makes the Celtics richer beyond their wildest belief. Like me, invested heavy in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. I'm just hoping that they continue to hit. And I think as long as they have enough peaks just like as long as lob have enough peaks there there's going to be enough value there where someone's going to be willing to trade for them as you said right the the bad boy that that can be changed so to me this is very reminiscent of the warriors getting steph curry in 20 in 2012 at his first contract extension i know right now 2020 2021 it might seem a bit ridiculous to compare lob williams and steph curry but i just wanted to read you an excerpt from an article that was written directly after Steph's initial contract extension. Okay, so bear with me for a second. First, if Curry's ankle is healthy and he's able to stay on the floor, the Warriors will have gotten a real bargain. No young guard in the league can shoot it like Curry. and He's got the potential to be a legitimate leader and all-star over the life of his contract extension. But if his health issues persist, The Warriors' decision to keep him around for this kind of money will turn out to be a terrible mistake, one that could cost the Dubs the future ability to retain their young talent. In the end, Golden State didn't see Curry make it through the preseason schedule without an injury, which is all the Dubs are hoping for. Despite that, the organization still saw fit to assume the risk of keeping Curry, even though it would have been totally fair to wait until after the season to see if he was worth it. The Warriors are committed to Curry now, for better or worse written in 2012, you could pretty much change the names and, and it could be the same article about Robert Williams. Um, he just had nine blocks in a playoff game against the best team in the league in 23 minutes, bro. The guy has insane potential. You said that he has a great impact on the floor. Nine blocks in 23 minutes, in my opinion, is elite. Um, the, the biggest thing is can he get that number up to 30, right? And that, I think everybody knows the issue with Robert Williams is can he stay healthy? But I think that his potential, as I said, I call him Bobby Bitcoin is like absolutely through the roof. And I think the Celtics did a great thing retaining that asset and betting on him. Because if he has, if he plays up to his potential this year and we didn't have him for an extension, there's a chance that he could demand 20 million on the market if he showed that he was healthy. All he needs is one year.
1: And there was a chance that a team were going to come in and offer him above anyway, like uh, like that 16, 17 mil, just because they see the value of that impact. And, you know, maybe they feel like a different training staff could help him stay healthy. And I know that Brad Stevens has just brought back a former trainer that left to train. Um, he was um, he went over to the Nick Patriots. In, yeah. Then he came yeah. back.
0: So Nick, it's funny, man. Nick, um, his his brother, Brandon, is actually my homie. We, we used to play basketball together.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> you got uh, growing up in Boston, man, you know, you get the uh you get the hookups, dude.
0: Yeah, so maybe maybe we can try and reach out to him, get him on the pod.
1: Yeah, that'd be dope. I'm like you know, look those little things that Brad Stevens is doing, trying to strengthen that coaching rotation like coaching core, strengthen these the skills trainers, the physic um the physios and the fitness trainers. A lot of that must be because of the injuries that they've had. I mean, we've had the hospital Celtics multiple seasons in a row at this point. So there's mm-hmm. definitely something to do with how they're pushing guys in the gym, how they're pushing guys at practice. Maybe that just needs to be slightly tweaked. And if they've got somebody that comes in and knows how to manage Rob and how to you know, load, manage him, so some games, maybe he does only play 11 minutes some games, but that's so he's fit enough to play. 25 to 30 minutes on back-to-backs, maybe that's okay. You don't need him playing 25 minutes against the Orlando Magic or against um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. You don't need that, but you do need that against the Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks. So if you've got somebody there that knows how to manage his body, knows when to say to Udoka, you know, today just don't play him or give him 5 to 10 minutes because we need him fresh for down the line. Now, I think that that's where you're really going to see his stock rise and this deal could look like a, an absolute steal. And to be honest with you, with the optimism glasses on, the rose-tinted glasses, I'm telling myself that it's going to be a great deal and I'm not allowing myself to start looking at that injury history just yet because Steph Curry is obviously the best example possible of what can happen when you really double down on a guy that's had a, first, a rough first introduction
0: to the league. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, getting back to Marcus... Um, to me, Marcus has always kind of had that Kyle Lowry potential and I was going, I did a little exercise and I went back to look at the first seven years in the league and they're actually like really, really comparable with what smart has to offer. And a huge argument could be made that Lowry's first seven years were far worse than smarts. And it was really Lowry in year nine, um, when he was traded to the Raptors where he really, um, took off. I think he actually took off in year 10. But I mean that's a long time to be in the league before taking off. He showed flashes of it with the Rockets. But bro, do you know what Kyle Lowry's three-point percentage was in years 2 through 6 in the league? Without pulling up basketball reference, I do not. It was under 30% 5 years in a row. It was like 25-26%, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, that's nuts now considering how how money
0: is from deep. Right. But the number that I wanted to look at was, I was like, okay, so Kyle Lowry was a terrible three-point shooter those five years, but he was always around 80% from the line. And that's kind of where I'm hopeful about Smart, because he's career 78% from the line. I think his first year in the league, he was under 70, but every other year, he's been over 70. The last two out of the last three, he's been over 80. And there's been plenty of studies done um, about the correlation between free throw percentage and three-point success and how closely related they are. And to me, it's about, like, the consistency in your form and follow-through. And that's why, to me, this is why Marcus is such a streaky shooter. I think Marcus actually has pretty solid form. Um, I just think he takes bad shots. And often, because his role has asked him to be this, like, defensive menace, that wears down your legs throughout the game and is going to lead to a lot more variability into, you know, the, the height that you're getting on your shot and the release point and all that stuff. So I think that's why marcus can go eight for ten in one game when his legs are feeling good and and the form's perfect and he's at the the same you know height on his release and then there are some games where maybe he's an inch lower on his jump and that's why he's missing the shots or he's taking bad shots right and this is going to be the first year where i think marcus is actually going to be entrusted to be the starting point guard i think if we're all being honest with ourselves marcus was the de facto shooting guard for for the past two years with Kemba and maybe arguably the year before as well with Kyrie. right? So his role actually required him to take more shots. You can't be on the floor and be an unwilling shooter. You have to be willing to shoot because you're going to have a little bit more gravity. So somebody like Marcus Smart, actually teams are going to be worried about him shooting. They're going to live with him shooting, but they're still going to have to run at him. right? But if he's the starting point guard, I'm hoping that's going to curb his desire to kind of check his heat, if you will, right? And then secondly, I don't know if you saw the video of Marcus. Um, I think he was at a camp or something, and he was teaching defense to this like, group of kids. And he talked about the idea of picking up 94 feet. And he was like, man, I'm going into year eight. Like year two, year three, yeah, I'd pick up 94 feet and I'd be happy to do it. He's like, year eight, I can't do that anymore. You know, so I think it's starting to click in his brain that he has to save his body, he has to save his legs, and hopefully that will allow for him to be the most efficient Marcus Smart that he's ever been, because you've got Pritchard, you've got Neesmith, guys that love just running wild all over the court, and even Dennis Schroeder that we brought in can pick up 94 feet. So I'm hoping that Marcus, in this new role, if we say, hey, here are the keys, we're going to give you a year to see if you can actually be a point guard, will actually make him the most efficient player possible. Man, the
1: one thing I want to add to this before we wrap it up was um, Keith Smith did an article similar to exactly what you've just said about shot location and how Marcus Smart's best ju- best shooting years have come from years where he's re- been really judicial with his shot selection. And there are times where he feels like he needs to insert himself more into the offense than what you'd really like. And part of that is probably that seniority complex of being the longest tenured guy on the league and trying to figure out where your shot profile actually is. And the best way to know where your shooting spots are during game situations is over a long period of time taking shots at game level, game rep, game situations from every spot on the floor and find where your successes are. And guys like Carl Lowry are a testament to doing that work for the detriment of the team to eventually be one of the more positive offensive pieces on that team. I think we can leave it there for today. I think that um, there's going to be so much to discuss over this week and the next few weeks and so limited news to keep us going and if we exact everything in one podcast it's going to leave us dry for like the next five weeks i'm not <laughs> looking forward to it at all man
0: we gotta extend content bro extend Yo, content. i'm telling you dude but Get before interviews. we go you know your song
1: leads us out of every episode so do you want to lead us before we go first of all please leave that five star written review on apple devices if you're on a device that's not an apple word of mouth you know you can be your your Uber driver, your colleague, your auntie, your grandma, your uncle, your waiter, whoever it may be,
0: tell them, hey, there's this awesome Celtics podcast. And now Greg's going to lead you out with the song. Uh, this one is uh, from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We're called Black Sheep Optimists, plural. Um, follow, make sure you follow us on Instagram. And uh, I think we have a TikTok. I'm not sure if anybody that's <laughs> listening here has a TikTok. Um, but, yeah, happy birthday, bro. Will, out there, we missed you today. Happy birthday, my dude. Follow Black Sheep Optimist at Black Sheep Optimist with an S at the end of Optimist. And this one is called D-Lo. Appreciate you having me on today, Adam. Always, man. I look forward to next Sunday.
1: Please, everybody, if you're still listening, make sure to send Will a happy birthday message on socials. It'll be a day late, but i am sure it'll still make him happy. And you can hear D-Lo now. I ain't disrespecting you haters.
0: I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all attest to my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the f-